Uh, hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Shani Lisa Prasad, Lifestyle Books Category Manager, and I'm so pleased today to welcome Sarah Andrews, scientist, designer, teacher, and now author, who will be chatting to us about her first book, Principles of Styles. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, firstly, just want to say congratulations on the book. Um, it's such an achievement and um, the cover is so striking. And when we got presented it in our, um, in, in our selling, I was like, I need to know more about this book. Tell me all about this book. <laughs> um, and I haven't even seen it in real life yet. So I'm even more excited to when I get my hands on a, on a physical copy, just even looking at a PDF on the screen, it just transported me to another world. So congratulations on a beautiful book. Thank you. It's so beautiful. I have the only copy, I think, that exists. Maybe there's two. And my friend is has it at the moment, so I don't actually have it. But it's um, such a beautiful object. It's got beautiful red sprayed edges. And we put a lot of thought into how we wanted the book to actually feel and be as a, as a thing. As an actual physical thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um, could you start by telling us a little bit about your background and sort of um, your uh, how you kind of ended up in this place of writing a book? What was your journey to get here? Oh, it's been a big journey. I started out my professional life as a scientist, as a spatial scientist. So it's the science dealing with the space around us and how, how anything can work. So my role as a scientist was to go and work with all different types of people, quickly understand their areas and kind of come up with formulas and models for how they could predict things, make things better, explain things. So um, later on in my professional life, I went back to study design because I'd always been very creative and it was definitely a deep passion of mine um, and fell in love with it. But what I realised was that design is a science and I could apply my science to design and work out, I guess, rules for how things were done um, and explain how visual beauty can work and I found that really interesting. I started to teach, like, sort of um, using it for myself in my own home life, in my work as a designer. Um, I started working in other people's houses. And then I ended up with this little cottage on the west coast of Tasmania, which became wildly successful called Captain's Rest. Um, and I started teaching what I did to other Airbnb owners just through my success. Um, but what we found in the later years is that people who were interested in interiors with no interest in renting out their spaces were doing my classes just because it became so well known as really the, one of the best styling schools around um, because I was able to teach people who didn't, didn't, weren't traditionally creative or didn't really understand how to pull their interiors together. I was able to teach them to the level where, you know, a lot of my students have been on covers of mag magazines worldwide, but they've been featured around the world um, and these are people who never thought they could create beautiful spaces. So just the success of that really led me to writing a book to sort of give a little piece of that away to everybody who wanted that. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And I, I definitely felt reading, um, reading through the book that um, it would be so helpful for people who just Im imagine that there's two kinds of people in the world, right? The people that innately understand design and people that just will just never get it, but you really do, uh, step um, step uh, people through how you can um, actually, like you said, apply science um, and apply principles to still be true to yourself and your own um, views, but to actually 
be able to make that aesthetically pleasing to other people as well, <laughs> you know, yeah. because there are things that our eyes just um, automatically like and don't like. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think I've always found um, design world and interiors very elitist, which I've never agreed with. I think that you can make any space around you beautiful to your own taste. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing a few simple principles of design and a, a way to sort of express yourself. And that's what the book really illustrates. I think, um, you know, a big part of my teaching and my work is taking the elitism out of what I do. And, you know, my, my cottage captain's dress was start on a budget of about a thousand dollars. Wow. That's, that just seems crazy if anyone's watched the block, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that there really is um, another way it can be done, which is why I want to try this book. Yeah, beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about what the process was of like actually writing the book itself? Was it really hard just to, to decide, you know, which 10 principles are how you were going to, um, you know, how you were going to put them into the book? And was there things that you ended up leaving out, um, you know, that might be there for a second book maybe? <laughs> Yeah, yes, absolutely. So um, the I, I teach two, two schools, two masterclasses. One's about hosting and one's just about to come out, which is called The Principles of Styling and Storytelling, which is for everybody. And to give you an understanding, there's about 15 weeks worth of work in there. Wow. And the, the book covers about two days of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot to further learn, but these are just the principles that I just felt like everybody should know whether they could come to one of my classes or not. This or should, not. It should yeah. be given to everybody to these really basic things that um, will drastically improve spaces around people. And what, uh, what was the process like of choosing which, um, which beautiful spaces to feature in the book? I can imagine that would have been quite difficult having been that you've been involved in so many. Yeah. So I wanted to write the book that I always wanted to read growing yep. up. And what I'd always found really frustrating about interior books is they, you know, they showcase between 10 and 20 house, beautiful houses. And maybe there'll be one room or one image in that house that really speaks to you. So you buy this book and there's probably like 10 images in it that really, you know, connect yeah. to one story. So I wanted to fill my book with just those things instead of whole houses, just the room or just the space or just the, the wall. So there's, I think there's about, I can't tell you, 50 houses or 80 houses in there. And I really wanted to showcase my students' work. I thought that was really important. So about half of the houses in there are my students, um, my colleagues that I really admire who have taught me in the past and I've been inspired by. Um, and that's, I wanted to make a book that was personally special. So each space in the book I have some kind of actual connection with, not just... Around yeah, it's not just something that you've built a book with. Yeah, yeah, they're places I've stayed, they're people I know, they're people I've taught. It's a very personal book. And how did you choose the photographers that you worked with? Because I can see from the back of the book, which is excellent, everyone should be very excited at the back. It, it breaks down every single house that's been um, included. And the best part is a lot of them are Airbnbs. So when we are uh, out of lockdown and can travel again, um, you basically have the most amazing guide to the most beautiful Airbnbs at your at your tips, which, uh, your fingertips, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. Already, um, my colleagues and I who've looked through the book have been like going into our Airbnb and starring them and adding them to our <laughs> wish list. So that's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's incredible. Um, 
I think in my hosting masterclass, I've taught there's thousands of students now around the world that I've taught, but it's really difficult for us to figure out how to get, let everyone know, like the guide, because we, we teach people often before they've even bought a property. That's right. Yeah. When they're thinking about starting out. <laughs> yeah. Um, the photographers, they're all friends of mine. Um, I think my work it's really different. I'm not, I'm not an interior stylist. I guess I am, but I'm, I'm, I'm mainly a teacher. So all of these are poems I know, and therefore I know all of the photographers personally as well, because I've, I know who's shot the place. I know how well they're doing. Um, it's just incredibly personal, I guess. Because you seem to get, um, there seemed to be a real, even though you used a number of, there was a number of uh, different photographers who've shot the houses, which makes sense considering that you're, you've got houses from Tasmania to Scotland, to France, to, you know, kind of everywhere in there. Um, they really do seem to share a sensibility and so you still get this really beautiful feeling that I think is very comes across throughout the whole book which is really lovely um, to see it really feels cohesive um, and I applaud your uh, ability to to make that happen because that's uh, that's definitely not not easy and I think anyone that's tried to um, or look through a lot of books will have, will have seen that um, you know unless they're the person doing that all the photography themselves uh, that's like a really hard thing to do. So congratulations on, um, on achieving that. I think I took some of the photos as well. Um, I think, I guess, I guess I, I have an aesthetic that appeals to me, or I guess what's beautiful to me is what feels really real. And I know all the photographers personally that shot the book and they're very passionate people about the spaces. They're, you know, their eye for beauty just comes from, having the same, I think, appreciation for it as I do. So I'm very grateful. And were there, um, were there any challenges that you, that you faced putting together this book, you know, talking about the time that we're in at the moment, but um, were there things that you weren't able to do that you wished you could have because of, um, you know, because of restrictions or were you really able to, um, to sort of overcome that and put together the, like as you said, the book you've always wanted to read? Yeah, I think I, I was incredibly lucky with Simon and & Schuster and my agent, Julie Gibbs. I, from talking to other people who have written books, I realised that I got incredibly lucky with the team I work with and they let me write a book that isn't the standard interior design book. Um, I had a really strong vision for this, so it's incredibly different to, I think, any other book that anyone's ever picked up in this category. And I just think I got lucky for them to trust me enough to do it because it's a bit of a risk, I think, for a publisher to yeah. do something a little different. Um, and Julie Gibbs I, is amazing. She's incredible. So, yes, yeah. you're absolutely like she, she just has the most, she's just like the best talent spotter, I think, you know, the publishing industry <laughs> <laughs> has. Um, I met Julie to one of my classes in 2019. <laughs> so she approached me and said, look, we need to do a book because what you're doing is incredibly special and it's the only thing like that out there. So yeah. um, no is the answer. I got to write exactly the book I wanted and I just feel really grateful that I had that opportunity because I know it's not the case with others. Yeah. Not, that, that's true. It's wonderful that you've had a great process. And I think, again, it really shows through in, in the book that everything just flows so seamlessly. Um, and how did, you, uh, how did you decide to, to split up the book? Because it's really in three, it's really in three sections, isn't it, where you've you've kind of talked about the, you get the 10 principles and you talk about those and then you um, showcase, you know, four homes and then you showcase 10 rooms. So yes. what was the thinking behind the structure? Um, well, I think, I think what's different about me and why people resonate with my work so much is because I am a scientist. So I'm able to describe things in black or white terms. So you pick up another book and they'll be like, oh, use white because it makes you feel lovely and soft and calm. So it's all these like wishy-washy 
concepts and you sort of think, well, what does it actually mean? You know? So my book is just really practical and useful. So it it lays out 10 principles and then it shows visual experiments for each of the rule applied and the rule not applied. So you can read the description, understand it visually, and then see examples of that used in spaces. And then it's got four houses. So the four houses are houses that I've designed. So you can see all the principles working together in four whole spaces. And then 10 of my favorite rooms. So I really wanted to end the book with all the rules applied to spaces that were not mine so people can see the work celebrated in the real world. So I think anyone reading the book can learn, just finish reading the book and have enjoyed the experience, but also learned so much that is actually useful and principles they'll never forget and be able to teach other people. Yeah, and speaking of those experiments, they were they were absolutely fascinating. It's <laughs> incredible um, when everyone gets the book and, and, and goes through it. They were, it's, it's really incredible to see how just moving one thing, <laughs> removing, putting it in, changing something can really impact everything. Um, and I think, I think I haven't, like you said, I've never seen um, an interiors book really show me that clearly, um, you know, how that, how that, uh, that change works. How did you, what was your experience? Because I, no one has seen the book yet. Everyone's only pre-ordered it. So I'd love to know your experience of looking at the rules and how that translated to you. Did you immediately understand what I was talking about? Because I've never had the chance to ask the question back. <laughs> No, I really did. And I think, I think obviously a little bit more challenging for me because the way I was on a PDF rather than the actual book. So I'm not looking at everything sometimes in the way that I would when I, when I saw it. So I'd have to like scroll up, scroll back really quickly. <laughs> so people that when they get the book won't have to do that, they can just open it and be able to see the whole, the whole room in one, in, um, uh, you know, in one spread. But um, yeah, I think particularly where um, it's the, you know, the experiment of the triangle experiment where mm-hmm. you can, where you could, when you put things in, you know, the highs and lows. And then when things were just, there was just too much, too many things. They weren't, they were just too flat and you just couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. you really could, you really could see the difference. Your eyes just did different things <laughs> when you got to the next page. And, um, and the way you had the three white chairs mm-hmm. and like you said, beautiful image because the photography is gorgeous, right? So even if you're, um, you know, you look at the, you look at the, the first image of three white chairs in a space and you go, well, that's beautiful. Look at that. Look at these lovely lines. Look at the gorgeous, you know, the patina on the chairs. And you notice that. But then when you're like, well, what about if you just switch out one, one white chair for a blue chair? And then all of a sudden, an image that was beautiful just becomes alive. Mm-hmm. And you really get this, like, um, it, it feels, there's just a different feeling that you get. I don't know, I'm not very good at describing it, but I can definitely, it just, lift, it just lifts you a little bit. It makes that particular scene its own and it could yes. be anything else and it will forever just be its own. But then three white chairs anywhere will always just be three white chairs anywhere. So it's about creating those special moments that just belong to you. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most beautiful, the beautiful principles in, in it was about storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably something that um, a lot of people are probably a little bit scared to do because they're worried that if they're telling their story that, it might other people might judge them but like you like you say in the book it's all about what makes you beautiful happy and what what are the things that touch your heart um and when you have that and you apply principles to it then you kind of get the best of both worlds of things you love that also just you know work yeah it's it's about making your world beautiful and i think especially in the times we're in trends come in and trends go out so quickly. So, you know, you're reading all these interior magazines of books and it makes you feel like, oh, this is how a kitchen should look. This is how my bedroom should look. But no one's teaching anyone how 
to pull that out of themselves and make their outer world look like their inner world. So that's what my work really is about. And I'm so passionate about it because I've seen so many thousands of students just find deep happiness by being given the permission to do that. And And I think to be able to do it beautifully. Yeah. And especially now when, you know, a lot of us that are listening or will be listening to this will have either spent a lot of time, more time in their homes than they may have planned or um, will be spending more time in their homes. That if you can't make your home a place that, you know, your eyes like to look at, then, you know, that's, that's really, that's quite sad. So the fact that not everyone could necessarily do your, your classes, but everyone can have this book is, is, such, is such a treasure, I think, for, for all of us. Um, a couple of things when we were um, uh, going through and having a look, like I said, my colleagues and I were looking through, um, looking through uh, remotely together, <laughs> your book. <laughs> yes. oh, such, a, such a great fun time we're having now. Um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, kind of near the beginning of the book about how um, you can sort of find clues about how people live in sort of various countries by their, by their style choices. You sort of talk about, um, you know, when you see like the rows of shoes inside um, at the front door in, in like in Japan, that makes you sort of think of order and structure and um, a bit about, um, you know, parking stations for bicycles in, in uh, Belgian towns reminds you of, you know, the, the Belgian, Belgian people's um, enthusiasm for community and green living. So um, what, what do you think uh, Australian design says about <laughs> Australian people? <laughs> I think, I'm not sure I agree with Australian design. You know, I think that... Is it a bit like Australian cuisine? Yeah, because there's a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. I think that's probably our blessing as Australians is we can borrow from other cultures because we don't really have our own we're kind of developing this hot pot or this like, you know, um, rotational dinner sort of thing. But I think what I would like to see Australian design be is just about being, uh, putting happiness and comfort at the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. I really um, shy away from trends and being told what things should look like. And I think, I would like Australian design to become the sort of hero of celebrating the individual and what makes an individual happy and feel well to actually live in a space, putting wellness of living first, putting happiness first, putting feeling relaxed and taking um, elitism off the... Yeah, which to me actually sounds exactly what, as Australians, we like to think, even if we might not be there quite yet, we like to think we are. So I think that actually, yeah, if we can do that, that would be amazing. Yeah, that's what I would like to see. Yeah, that's a good goal. I think that's a great goal. Um, uh, the end of elitism through design. I love it. <laughs> yes. And celebrating everybody, no matter what their taste is or what they, they live or how they live, every, every iteration of that can be beautiful. And I think that that would be incredible to see that vision come to life. Um, now, my... Um, one of my colleagues was um, she. She loves. Uh, she loved your book as well. But she and she is a real. She's got a beautiful um, sense of style and design herself. However, one of the things she struggles with is needing everything to be perfectly symmetrical, symmetrical <laughs> and in balance, and you know, like perfectly in place. So one of the um, one of the rules you talk about is sort of focus on the unexpected, which is taking something and making it a little bit kind of off on purpose. Um, and so can you, would you be able to help her or help others like her with a tip um, to sort of help them get out of this mindset of everything symmetrical? Like what should they be thinking about when they, should they 
think about like an object that they really love and think about like bringing that somewhere where they can see it more closely than maybe they would have if they were trying to match it with something else or what should they do? This is a long answer. I think that I think she is allowed to be symmetrical and ordered if that's who she she is and how she feels. I'm a very B type person, so I find it hard to know what I'm doing tomorrow. I like to have um, I like a relaxed environment around me, but she might be someone who needs that order, and to me, that's unexpected. You know, I think that if she recognises that that is um, beautiful to her, then she needs to embrace it and, and fully go for it. But I have a saying that people need to think inward and design outward. So at the moment, I think most people design outward. So they, they're gathering information from magazines, from Pinterest, and then they design their homes. So they're like flick through real living or country style and look at all the beautiful kitchens and bathrooms and then make theirs look the same. So what I would try to get people to do is is design inwards. So think about what they like, what inspires them as they walk around. Maybe they see a beautiful color on a, on a fence or it's about noticing what looks beautiful to you, recognizing that and then designing your spaces around you by pulling that out. So if order and structure really makes her happy, she needs to really go for it, I think, in a big way. <laughs> but if she's just worried about what other people think, then she just needs to do a bit more inward reflection. <laughs> And outward. Yeah. yeah. So my my next school principles of styling and storytelling really set people through that process from start to finish. Like starting off with who they are as a person and really diving deep of that, and then how to translate that into spaces around them. And that's a really big and important process, I think, for all humans to learn. Um, we're not given those skills. No. <laughs> um, I think for me, the the uh, the best. That, that resonates with me personally is um, where you uh, mentioned killing your darlings, um, where, you know, there, there are people and I am one of those people who um, just loves everything, everything. And so must have everything. And then everything is in their house. And so instead of looking like a beautiful restful home just looks a bit more like a, a shop of things you haven't yet sold. Um, <laughs> so I think for me, what I'll be taking away from that is, uh, definitely looking and um, at everything that I have and seeing what are the things that maybe don't need to be in that, in that space to actually, like you said, give your eyes a rest so that you can appreciate all the beautiful things that you have. Um, and I think that's such a, um, such a different, a difficult balancing act. Um, and so uh, one of the principles you mentioned, which I think will help a lot of people. And um, I certainly was spending a lot of time squinting last night um, was <laughs> what you call um, eyelash testing. <laughs> Could you uh, talk a little bit more about what that is and how you do it? Yeah. Eyelash testing is when you just look through your eyelashes basically and see what is standing out to you. So I'm, I'm here in a hotel and I've, it's actually quite a mess behind the computer, but what's popping out to me is the red lid on the dishwashing bottle and there's a horrible red label on the olive oil bottle so those things when you take them away your when your eye scans a room there's a calmness that doesn't so you're not visually focusing on those micro details that are distracting it's so interesting i think that you need to be very brave in your spaces i my space captain's rest is a really like kind of busy um humble curated shack so there's lots of things there and I, I bought my home last year in Tasmania and it's this giant brick, minimal, almost like a church or a monastery. And 
I just didn't want anything in it at all. I just wanted a couch and a bed and that's it. Nothing, not an art, nothing on the benches, no curated collections. And even I felt that pressure that people would expect me to have that because yeah. I'm a designer and I've just made this other place that looks like this. But there is a bravery. I'm like, no, actually, I just don't want my eyes to rest on anything here. I just want to break from stuff. I just want nothing here. And it's been so lovely. So... And you're lucky enough to live in Tasmania where you probably have a beautiful aspect that you're looking looking at out of your out of your house and windows and so on, right? So that you can focus that is, that that is the decoration is what yeah, you can see. Yeah, I live on a beautiful little rocky cove surrounded by trees and birds and all sorts of lovely natural things. So I just it's a place of peace for me and reflection. So the interiors reflect that because that's what the purpose of the house is. Well, that sounds like a place that I'm sure all of us would love to <laughs> love to be to be like, at right now. I'm looking at a construction site across yeah. the <laughs> which is probably what a lot a lot more people are realistically, unfortunately, looking looking at out of their um, yeah. out of their out of their houses. Um, and um, what does uh, I was going to say? What is what are some of the differences you've you sort of well when you're you talk about you're just doing a uh, starting a new masterclass, but um, what are the kinds of key points that people, if people are interested in setting up, um, you know, an Airbnb and they want to make it a beautiful Airbnb where you know people are coming as much for the as much for the space as for the location? Um, what are what are the sort of um, top tips that you would uh, give to uh, people who are interested in that versus what the sorts of things are that people, are, if people are interested in just making their own space? better what are the what are the kind of key differences i guess in what you have to think about for for an airbnb where you know you've got the risk i guess of people stealing that beautiful um vintage item you found and carefully placed <laughs> um versus your own house where hopefully no one's stealing anything from it yeah when you're creating spaces for renting out they could you know they even, even business spaces so someone has a shop front or an airbnb or a hotel or um, an office space that they're designing the design isn't for you, it's for business, it's for a guest, it's to attract people in, it's for people to lust on Instagram, it's for people to get married in or want to get engaged there. It's about, it's an emotional, it's creating an emotional um, story or a, almost a novel for people to walk into. So it's very different than designing your own spaces. Your own spaces is about thinking about you, what you really want. So, you know, my Airbnb Captain's Rest, it celebrates a story of being on the ocean and the jetty and fishing and the west coast of Tasmania and rows in the boats and wine by the fire. So it's building a space for people to, to live that dream in, whereas your own homes are building a space to... I guess there is an instrument to guide how you want to feel. So my own home is an instrument to calm me down, give me space to relax, space for new ideas to come in, to restore. So a home is an instrument to get, have, to help you feel how you want to feel. So for people that might be different, so that might be families. So if you're in a family, you might want to create a space where each member of the family feels considered and happy and looked after. Um, if you're living on your own, you might want a space that makes you feel safe and nurtured and um, protected and, you know, that you have your own little environment there. You know, if you're, you know, newlywed, maybe it's a space that celebrates your relationship and the people that you are and that you want to be in the future. Um, you know, spaces are incredibly powerful to shape how we live. So considering those things is important.
Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, that just, that's a beautiful, that's actually a really beautiful sentiment. And um, I, I, from the number of people already that have been, um, that have pre-ordered your book, I am sure that they're all keen to, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, live in your world a little bit longer. And we can, we can all do that now. <laughs> I wish Booktopia had the budget to give everybody a free class of mine. Like, see, so everybody gets a free class, but um, maybe a vision for the future. <laughs> Turn it into a not-for-profit. Yeah. That, well, actually, that's that's right, because you'd be doing a, a design service to the community if we could all. Could you imagine? Every single one. No well, more the block and more, more individual, it. personal... It is- it is the long-term vision. So the long-term vision is to turn both my schools into a not-for-profit and the, um, the entry fee would be by donation and it would go to women in third world countries for their business endeavours. So my hosting masterclass, all the money will go to especially women in communities starting their own small businesses and education programs for them. And then perhaps with my next school, something equally as important for developing country so that's the vision long term we'd love to get there that's that's absolutely amazing I was actually one of my questions by my um one of my questions was going to be what are your goals (laughs) after this book and what's next and I think that's that's fantastic you really you know we ask all our students for feedback and the feedback is that the class has completely changed their life so for hosting masterclass it's changed their life in terms of their businesses so most people come in maybe earning ten or $20,000 a year and then leave earning 100, 150. So that small investment they've made just turns into a lifetime of, I guess, freedom, which is what money means to women who are working in this industry. They're, we're going into setting up Airbnbs so we can be self-employed, we can express our creativity and be paid for it. Um, we can become stay-at-home mothers or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's such a positive thing to be offering. Yeah, that's that's a really that's really beautiful. Um, I also just wanted to ask because, as you said, you know, your aesthetic is, you know, it's it's very distinct and it's very it's very you. Um, do you feel like if people you know, that that these principles because it, principles can be applied to um, to other design styles? You know, if people love postmodern um, design, if they love mid-century, if they love I don't know Victorian design, um, you know, do you? Are you, uh, do you think it's different principles for people that like those other, uh, other design styles or are you, these principles are literally design principles? Literally design principles for everyone. And we've tried to show that in the book with different spaces. You know, we've got really old um, castles and new builds and... That Scottish castle is, oh, that's yes. where, wherever you were in Scotland, was incredible. Um, for anyone that hasn't, uh, that obviously won't have seen the book yet, but um, tartan, was it tartan, the same tartan on the chair, the floor and the footstool? <laughs> Yeah, and on the bathroom floor. So it's the most beautiful family home I've ever been in. Friends of mine own it. And um, it is a private family home. They do occasionally rent it for larger things. But the tartan is their family tartan. And it's on everything. And I, yeah, in the, the room I stayed in there at the start of 2020. So before I went into lockdown, I was there with them at the castle. And I'm so glad I was because of what it came, you know. Um, but yeah, my bathroom floor was t- t- tartan ca- uh, carpet, and I just thought I have never been in a carpeted bathroom before. But yeah. it's actually pretty amazing. I really liked it. And I'm like, I could, I could do a car- carpeted bathroom at home. I think it was really relaxing and beautiful. But um, yeah, it definitely grew on me. But um, yes, the principles are for everybody. It doesn't matter. I mean. 
what you didn't see in the book is what all the work that students do before but they learn the principles which is learning about themselves and their own aesthetic and how they can connect to that so that would be the actual first step but people who have their own strong aesthetic already they can just apply these rules to it and make their spaces yep. more beautiful perfect well there we go i can see a companion book already then yes. the pre-work that you do before you <laughs> i'll talk to you julie and <laughs> see. About that. Yeah, yeah, everyone loves everyone loves a workbook. Everyone loves a workbook. I'm telling you. Um, again, thank you so much, Sarah, for um, joining us on the Booktopia podcast today. Um, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you and to learn more about your um, book, Principles of Style, which everyone can order now from Booktopia.com.au. And if you do order now, you get to go into the draw to win a masterclass, uh, one of the masterclasses that Sarah Andrews has. Um, as she's mentioned, um, taken thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, students through. Um, so if you're interested in that, and why wouldn't you be? I know I am and I wish I could enter. Um, all you have to do is purchase the book before uh, the 5th of October on, as I said, booktopia.com.au. Um, all the T's and C's are on the website. So if you have any uh, questions, just go and check it out. Um, thank you again, Sarah, and uh, we can't wait to see what's next. My pleasure, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au